helping families be happy. Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family love and relationships. I am your host, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. And now I am thrilled to introduce today's guest, Dr. Lori Holman, who will be talking with us about her book, Playing with Baby. Welcome, Dr. Holman. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good to be here. Thank you so much for sharing your time. So tell tell us, tell listeners and me a little bit about who you are. Well, um, I'm a psychoanalyst, and I've worked with infants through older adults. Um, But what prompted this book, that the subtitle is Research-Based Play to Bond with Your Baby from Birth to One Year, was when I became an infant parent psychotherapist as well. So I was engaged in the research from some really wonderful people who have been focusing their careers, their lives, on studying infancy, and I was able to learn from them. And that learning isn't generally in your typical month by month, what will your baby do kind of book, Um, but it helps you understand the baby's mind. And that is my focus, as you'll see. So it was a wonderful experience, and I just wanted to share it. Oh, thank you so much. How fascinating to be an infant parent psychoanalyst. That's fascinating. And I know um, your first book, I just want to do a little plug for it, on narcissism, mm-hmm. really just, just I, I know this is an Im- impromptu piece, but okay. for listeners, just a little bit, the title of the book and a summary of what it's about. Okay, well, that book was entirely different. That took me on a whole different path because I initially wrote only parenting books. The first book actually was called Unlocking Parental Intelligence, Finding Meaning in Your Child's Behavior, which I'm going to mention a little later about with regard to babies too. Um, But the narcissism book, Are You Living with a Narcissist, was because... um, Really, by chance, I had in my practice um, many narcissistic men, and um, they were a certain subgroup of narcissists, being that they were bright, very successful, um, wealthy men, but they were true narcissists, um, and their relationships, of course, were rocky. And so the book talks about One, what is narcissism, what's healthy narcissism, and what's normal narcissism, and then what is considered a diagnosis of narcissism as a personality disorder. And I talk about, I give long um, illustrations, story-like, that give the reader a feeling of what it is like to know a narcissistic person if they have never, or identify with it if they have. And um, I talk about couples um, in 
this book, I only talk about the narcissistic men and the women who fall in love with them and why, and I discuss that. And I talk about a narcissistic parent, so people learn about that. And um, by the end, I think every, from what I've been told is that people feel like I took the clinical concept and made it very accessible to many readers. Um, and that was really my aim. That's always my aim when I write, actually. And you did a fabulous job of it. I happen to have that book and absolutely love it. So um, the, one of the beautiful things as we take a segue back to playing mm -hmm. with baby is parents who um, are really in tune with their babies can help them not grow up to be narcissists. So how was that for a segue? That's entirely <laughs> And there's a whole section on how not to, not in these words, but not to turn your child into a narcissist. And I explain what essentials um, that baby will lack that will lead them to narcissistic um, behavior. And, and it's, it's really very moving, actually. But I will go back to playing with baby. <laughs> okay, so let's hop back to playing with baby. Research-based play to bond with your baby birth to one year. So what is one key, maybe your favorite line from your book? Okay, this one is very central. From birth, infants live in a two-person world with familiar faces, voices, and smells, and prefer them to unfamiliar ones. So if you're a mommy listening or reading this interview, they will choose you over others with their gazes. So the, the key message there is that it's a two-person world. And in the 50 years ago research, babies were considered to be entirely symbiotic almost like not a person, symbiotic with their mother. And we learned that they certainly depend on their mother and they need to be nursed or fed, but they do have minds of their own. It is a two-person world from the start. And that's a kind of exciting thing to share, I think, with a mother who gives birth for the first time, that your baby and you are involved. Minute number one. Mm, a love relationship of the of the finest yeah. sort, isn't it? Absolutely, yes, absolutely. In fact, there's a little there's a word called I love, E Y E dash love, because mm. the way the mother and the baby look at each other is an ex certain expression of a kind of love that is happening in that early bonding. And mm. the part of this the focus of this book is on the baby's mind rather than physical milestones. So you begin to understand how that I love, that early connection, um, fills the mother and the baby together. They do this together. So you're right about the word love. I mean, it's, it, it is its own special kind of love, I guess I'd say. I, that's absolutely beautiful. And I can just see when, when you have baby in your arms and mommy or dad's looking down at baby, that attunement mm -hmm. that you get from that gaze, that locked love field gaze where the child yeah. really feels seen mm -hmm. and safe. Oh. Yeah. oh, I love that. Your, your point feeling seen is extremely important because then the baby actually feels I mean, an early baby, one month, two months, they can start to feel actually understood, which is rather amazing, I think, and vital. 
absolutely so um jumping from that to Mm -hmm. three key forces that Mm -hmm. guide you in your own life that Mm -hmm. allow you to be attuned to you your work your family what are those three forces um i will direct myself to the forces or the values that come with this book and that i share of course one is my belief in something i a concept i coined called the parental intelligence way and that is in all of my parenting books and I parented that way. And I see my children parenting my grandchildren that way. Mm. Um, and it really focuses on the parent-child collaboration in problem solving. It's about understanding the meaning of a child's behavior. So it's not about um, punishment and rewards. It's really a very different focus. So these are kids who really do talk to their parents and even from infancy on, we'll see that this is possible. I love how you said that. It's not punishment reward, but understanding the child's behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm, I love that. And it really makes it quite easier for parents who learn, learn to practice that way, doesn't it? Because it's not about spanking. It's not about, you know, giving M&Ms. It's about really being, again, back to that place of attunement, right? Without a doubt, yes. Because the basic idea is how can you know what to do if you don't understand what you're seeing? So you really have to understand puzzling behavior and see it as puzzling or distressful. I, I I really dislike the word bad behavior. It just doesn't exist. It's really about Um, a message the baby or the older child is displaying through their behavior because they cannot speak and so for what they can't find the words to speak but an infant of course doesn't have words so their behavior is what you've got and it's wonderful if you're a good observer which is what these researchers uh, taught me to be and that's what I do in parent infant psychotherapy I'm really teaching the mother how to observe her baby so she can really see what's the mess- what are the messages this infant is giving to the mother? And then, of course, she knows how to respond. She knows what it's about. So what you're saying is the behavior is the messenger. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's gorgeous. Well put. Oh. <laughs> so when, when you continue on that path and you look at the other, when we look at, you know, Familius's values of loving together, learning, reading, giving, playing, talking, laughing, eating, healing, all of those working together things, what would you encourage parents to do um, to help support more attunement to their child and revel in the child's milestones? Okay, well, I want family members in general to see their role as listening to each other attentively, respectfully, and with love. And you do that from day one with your baby. You know, there is a great deal of focus, I'll go on a tangent for a second, that though actually it fits the babies too, that, you know, parents are wondering, is this becoming post-COVID? Is it a transition time? But some of the, most of the children are gonna go back to school And so we need to really listen to them this summer so that we understand what it is they're making of this sudden change because it will feel sudden to many of them. 
And as far as the infants go, um, there's new research coming out on how um, develop, the development of an infant in the first year has been impacted by the COVID restrictions. And what you'll come to understand what we're gonna get into is that facial recognition is the way the baby learns what's going on and the way they relate to you. And mothers at home don't wear masks, so that solves that problem. But as soon as the kids go out, everybody has a mask on. And that's completely contrary to what an infant, how an infant learns and how an infant socializes. Oh my goodness. So we've thrown a, a kind of a, um, we've thrown a problem in the water, but it's very solvable if the mother understands that, or the father understands that that is what's happening with the mask. And then you will, they will discover not a one month old, but maybe by a six month old, that is all they know. Remember that that's all they know if they were born this year. So they will t prompt, you, prompt you to put that mask back on because that's the face now they know. So it's, it's fascinating, but being very close to understanding it is very important. So a baby goes to the pediatrician and the pediatrician has a mask on. And this is a two month old, facial recognition is all she knows. And her mother has to wear a mask because she just went into a public medical building. So that baby is quite thrown because she doesn't have a, a natural way to connect. She has eyes, that's all, but that's all she has. And she will hear a voice and she'll recognize her mother's voice. Um, but what I've tried to share with mothers is when you get back in the car or on the subway, however you got to your um, pediatrician, take off that mask and be with that baby because she will have missed you and been confused. So it's just fascinating. My goodness, it's, you know, you're making me think how I met someone during the pandemic mm -hmm. and I met her on three different occasions in a medical setting and mm -hmm. always with her mask on. So I only met her mm -hmm. through her eyes. Mm -hmm. And then as things had gone down, now it's back to masks. But I yeah. saw her then with her mask off and mm -hmm. my Hmm. I studied her. I just I said, you need to stay right there for a minute. I yeah, said, I need to yeah. take in who you are. Mm -hmm. And I could verbalize this. So you can imagine if here I'm an adult with, mm -hmm. you know, quite a lot of wherewithal. And I was frozen because yeah. it was though my psyche was trying to take in all of who she was, putting all the pieces together, the cheeks, the teeth, even her eye color. I thought she had, I think I thought she had blue eyes, but she actually had green eyes. And it was interesting yeah. though. So you can yeah. imagine a child having mm -hmm. to assimilate all of that information. And, mm -hmm. and I could verbalize and say, stay there. I need to figure out who you are. Mm -hmm. My mind is not able to cope with this. And here you can imagine how stunning that would be for a child. And an infant. Oh, an so infant. Oh, my goodness. Vision is an, an infant that isn't blind, obviously, but an infant learns by seeing. And they only see the eyes, but their audio is working. So uh, the, a baby in utero, in fact, learns the voice of the mother. Yes. So when the baby is born, they already know that sound. 
So that that stays consistent even with a mask on. So that's just a you know a reassuring uh, note. Well, that's a good thing, right? At least they have have the the, the eyes and the ears to hear with and, and and make a picture out of that. Yes. But it does really bring us down to that level of realizing how important the face is, how mm -hmm. important for infant, for parent, being really attuned to that child. I want to jump to one side in our conversation just for a minute, where so many parents, whether you see them out walking or at dinner with the child, where they're mm -hmm. not looking at the child, they're mm -hmm. looking at their their phone or mm -hmm. they're looking at their laptop and you will see the child searching mm -hmm. like mommy i'm here and then mm -hmm. they kind of give up and look away that you... is, and i'm going to interrupt you because there is a study about i mean it was done purposefully and it makes me sad to even think they did this research but it's good to know it they a mother is facing a baby and she does what you just said. She does not look at the baby. Mm. And now this is an experimental situation, but it's still a real infant and a real mother. Um, but they only make it for a very short amount of time. And if that mother does not start to respond, at least with her eyes, that baby will, um, I don't want to say an infant's depressed, but you will see the baby's head drop. Mm. in the, the loss and the confusion because oh. babies are in a two-person world and you can make yourself absent by not looking at your child. So what you're saying is 100% correct and very, very important, especially in infancy. It's a very painful uh, video to watch, actually. Um, I can see that because, again, going back to adults, we like it when our significant other is making eye contact with us and how much more important that is mm -hmm. for a child who is relying, you know, mom and dad are everything, yes, <laughs> everything. They, they are central. So yeah. if a mother or father or whoever the primary, primary caregiver is, is depressed, for example, and withdrawn, that is a very serious problem for a baby. You really need another caretaker there as well who is going to fill in that gap or the baby is going to have trouble learning. My goodness, I could go on with you on, <laughs> on this topic for hours, but I'm going to switch now and okay. ask you, so what are maybe two of the rarely known research findings that you'd like to share about infant play? Okay, actually, first I'm going to focus on the mother. Okay. It's fascinating that using brain imaging, we mostly have heard of MRIs. It's been found that the right orbitofrontal cortex, and that's the area right behind your eye sockets, actually moderates the mother's abilities to understand her infant's emotional cues and respond to them sensitively. The mother is thus biologically programmed from her pregnancy to want to play with her baby in the mm. first few days. So it's so wonderful for mothers to know you are equipped, you're equipped from the start. Your, your brain is already ready to do what your baby needs. And um, another little part of that is that, although my left-handed daughter-in-law questions this, which I found pretty interesting really, the research indicates further that both right and left-handed mothers 
hold their babies on the left side of their bodies to comfort their infants and that they're biologically programmed to do so because the reasoning is that it puts the infants, if you can picture the infant in your arm, cradled in your arm on the left side, you're on the left side of your mother's vision, which is actually communicating with her right hemisphere, which is telling her how to provide natural comforting gestures. So again, this, is a, this mother is just biologically ready <laughs> to do, um, to react and make that beginning connection when she's holding or nursing her baby. That is brilliant. That <laughs> is wonderful. Oh, it's so amazing. And so for new moms out there, like you said, Dr. Holman, you are programmed to do this. Don't fret too much. Your body knows what you're doing. And you'll notice when a stranger picks your baby up, they don't necessarily do that. But you you as the mother will. Oh, that's very reassuring. Yeah, it's just so wonderful. We're designed right. Thank goodness. Thank we can take we can take that stressor off the plate. So are there other um, important? Well, I know you probably have so many important research findings. Any other important ones about infant play? Yes. Um, A fantastic finding from birth is that infants are motivated to identify patterns, orders, and sequences. So when you pick toys or you pick little rattles and things like that, keep that in mind that they're already equipped. They're called, it's called, they're contingency detectors from birth. Sounds like a mouthful, but it's not because contingency means that babies identify if one thing happens, then another will follow. So they don't have to be taught if then patterns and sequences. So if a sequence is repeated a few times, it actually becomes predictable to an infant. So a great example, and playing is not just playing with toys. Please set that aside. Playing is the interaction you have with your baby. So a great example is your baby comes to expect your smile. She expects her action, opening her mouth, will result in your smile. And it's thrilling because this is exactly what happens. And that's that beginning expected connection with you. Their minds are so active from the start they're totally geared to connect with you. Isn't that fascinating? So again, that place of attunement Mm -hmm. of, you know, primary caregiver, I'm here, be attuned to me. I'm here, be attentive to me, make eye contact, touch me, Mm -hmm. kiss me. Ah. If you do this, then I'll do that. And to, to, we think that that's a high level skill, (laughs) but actually infants are doing it. Mm. If then. I open my mouth, I'm the baby, and that prompts you to smile. And the baby catches on to that. So obviously the baby's going to keep repeating it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, on a simple level, for example, with, mm-hmm. um, with crying, baby's hungry, mm-hmm. cry, there's the milk, cry, there's the milk. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They're very smart little beings, aren't they? Yes. yes. And you need to be able to interpret the different cries, which I think is more commonly known. Um, but the concept of if I do this, then that will happen. That babies are capable of prediction. I mean, isn't that amazing? It is. <laughs> I find it fascinating. 
it is fascinating. Um, and when you think about it again, it's survival of our species that they sure. need to be able to predict some mm -hmm. amount of outcome and that we now have research that really reassures mm -hmm. us that yes, these little beings are they're in the, they're in some ways training us, aren't they? Yes, yes, yes. And we really have to pay attention. Yes. Um, I'll give you a third one because it's right in line with what we're talking about. There's something called joint attention. That, that's the research term. And what happens is by nine months, you're, so we've moved from infant day one to nine months, just so you can see the jump. Okay. Baby is sharing her attention with others frequently. So the gesture I'm going to talk about is pointing. And we see babies do it. We see mothers do it. Fathers do it. But we have, most people don't realize how momentous this is. This is a major milestone. We think of crawling and walking as milestones, but pointing is a wonderful milestone. What's happening is the pointing is making an impact on the baby because she follows. Think of the mother's pointing her finger out, her forefinger out. The baby will follow her line of vision when you look and point at something. This ability to focus her attention on what the mother wants is called joint attention. So the infant has to know several little skills that are involved. One, to stop looking from the pointing hand to the direction of what is being pointed at, the target. And that is a wonderful discovery because then the baby's going beyond her egocentrism, appreciating another person's line of regard and detecting their intentions. Now, can you imagine all that is happening at nine months? It, it's just amazing. To me, it's an extraordinary feat because it means the baby knows another person has a mind. We, you know, we used to think that babies absolutely wouldn't know any such thing, but they absolutely do. They realize that there are two people and they can't even speak yet. So pointing is gigantic. And uh, I never thought of that. And I love that concept of joint attention. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. How complex yet, yet simple, but complex. Yes. Yes. And, and the thrill of it is learning that it's complex because then you can be so proud of your baby and, and know how exciting it is when this starts to happen. And then what the baby will also do is once their eyes reach the target, guess what they do next? They look back at you because they want your feedback to see if they've isolated the right target. Oh so my goodness. There's a whole conversation going on and that is play. That's early play. That's the most important kind of play. I know we love stacking toys and we love stuffed animals, but this is going on and this is play because it's a real two-person conversation with an infant before speech. And I really loved how you said that um, earlier, where play does not, is not toys. And I wrote down, you know, play does not equals toy, toys, yeah. that play is really about the interaction. Play is interact with baby. Mm -hmm. And I love that you called that out because so many times we think playing is sitting on the floor and playing with, you know, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. building blocks or whatever, but that yeah. those simple 
interactions when you're walking with your child, holding your child. Again, that attunement piece. My goodness, that is so powerful. And it doesn't cost anything, does it? It doesn't cost a cent. It doesn't and cost it, a cent. We can all do it. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how big your apartment is. We all are going to, your baby's going to see you point. But there's another piece to it. One more piece. That the baby is going to learn to point to. <laughs> so his gaze is going to alternate between his choice of target, which might be a toy, and your face until he sees that you have joined his attention. If you haven't, let's say um, your baby points at the window, but you have something else in mind. You have a stuffed animal that you want to show your baby, and you start doing that. The baby will start fussing, not because there's anything wrong with showing a stuffed animal. But you're not in the baby's line of vision. She's pointing at the light coming in the blinds in the window. You didn't have to do anything but put blinds on your window for that to happen. I have the sunshine. So you'll find that the baby, why is the baby fussing? I'm giving her a stuffed animal that's her favorite. Because you are just not in sync with where her mind is at that moment. She, and so look where she's pointing. She's pointing to the light coming out the window. It's a, as simple as that. So that's <sighs> the moment when you put down the stuffed animal and you look at the light and go, how pretty it is outside. Or, you know, it's a sunny day. And you start putting words to the target your baby has isolated. So we, the babies are doing it and we're doing it. And I think that's, again, that joint attention piece of, mm -hmm. you know, the, the two really being focused on being in tune with each other. Yes. So would you read perhaps one or two illustrations of a mother playing with her baby just to sure. give listeners a glimpse into the book? Yes, yes. And you'll find that each chapter is a different month. So each chapter will give a lot of information about how the research um, is really easily understood and will optimize your play choices. Um, and then I always have an illustration of a mother and the baby at that month. So here's an illustration of a mother and two-month-old baby at play. Mommy says, hi, sweetie, I see you looking at your mobile. See how it moves. Look at the red and yellow colors, how bright they are. And as a side, I have to tell you, the red and yellow is very purposeful because babies like red, yellow, black, and white. Mm. we make their rooms pastel pink and yellow but that's that their yellow yellow is good <laughs> um but those are the colors they actually prefer striking colors so that that's kind of interesting but i'll go back to the illustrations so the mother doesn't interfere with the baby's self-directed play she just narrates it she has a she place the mobile it's another little interesting fact on the side of the crib right or left doesn't matter because babies look more to left and right than straight ahead. So mm -hmm. we, we are accustomed to seeing mobiles, um, even in advertisements, hanging in the middle of the crib. That's not where they belong, because that's not where your baby's first going to look. So, in, and I'll go back to the illustration. She met, the mommy just narrates it. She places the mobile on the crib side because she knows the baby this age will look from left to right rather than straight ahead. And the baby reacts. Her arms and legs move about excitedly while she watches the mobile move. And in this illustration, the mobile also has a remote <laughs> that turns on music. So the mother turns it on 
and you see the baby getting even more excited. And you know that because her hands and her little toes and fingers are moving, her eyes are widening. Um, she's getting a little more frisky. And the mommy again narrates it. Well, I like the music too. I see your little toes moving. How you open and close your fists. This is so much fun. And that's a two, that's playing with a two month old. <laughs> My goodness. And I really love, again, how you bring some very key points up, like the color, the red, mm -hmm. yellow, the mm -hmm. black, white, almost racetrack colors. We wouldn't think of those yes. as baby yes. colors, but yeah. That's amazing. And just the how you again, as you explained it, watching for baby's reaction, watching for the excitement. Uh, mm -hmm. I love mm -hmm. it. So what is another one? Uh, now I'll jump to seven months. You okay. see a little, another um, emotional and mind um, milestone. Mommy says, hi, honey, watch me hide. And in the book, actually, there's a very cute drawing il illustration of a mother holding a, a pillow up in front of her face. So mommy hides behind the large pillow. Well, under the pillow, mommy's face is hidden. And she asks, so the voice is present, where is mommy? Can you find me? So the baby has a chance to react and you must wait and let your baby react. You know, we're so attuned, again, I'm going another tangent, we're so attuned to rapid activity that we forget babies need to think and take their time. So we need to be patient and wait. So give your baby a chance to react, even if it's a, several seconds before she does. If she finds you by moving the pillow, say, you found me. And of course, show your presence. If she doesn't find you, that's okay too. Then mommy says, well, look, here I am. And you come out from under the pillow. And you try, you, you do it repeatedly several times because and that, that's the illustration of a seven-month-old because by seven months, this baby is learning about something called learning. I'm not saying accomplishing. Learning something called object uh, constancy, mm. which means that when an object is out of view, an object now, not a person, when an object is out of view, it still exists. So when the mother goes in and out from behind the pillow, she's helping the baby work on that. And you don't have to only use yourself. You can use a toy, you can use a ball, you can use anything you pick and put it under a blanket, take it out. And your baby will want to do that over and over and over again. <laughs> don't get bored because your baby is working very hard at understanding a very difficult concept. Uh, such Wonderful advice. Thank you. And again, I like how you brought up something, you know, be patient, be patient, mm -hmm. something very mm -hmm. concrete for parents to listen to. Mm -hmm. um, just be patient with baby as baby's learning. Mm -hmm. So now let me ask you, would you share one of your favorite, just one of your favorite brief infant parent psychotherapy sessions from the book? Sure. Okay, let me Go to one. All right. Okay, this is a play session of a seven-month-old. Her name is Samantha, and I've named her mother Kaz, C-A-Z. And Kaz is, a, this, this is part of my infant observation training, actually. I went to this mommy's house 
uh, once a week for, for an hour for a year from the time the baby was born. And in this session, she's seven months old. So by now, Kaz's mother and I know each other quite well. Um, I somehow surprised Kaz at the door because she's barefoot wearing pajama bottoms and a sweatshirt. She's a mommy, remember. I don't yes. want to get stuff on it. <laughs> I come in to see Samantha, seven months old, wide awake in her little exerciser, playing with different toys on it and watching the cats. They have cats in the house. So Kaz says, Samantha is beginning to crawl. So I had to just vacuum. And I respond, it's harder to have an almost crawling baby now. Good for you for keeping track of anything on the floor that she might pick up. More work for you, but you're a wonderful mother to be so careful for. So then I kneel down at Samantha's level and she makes various sounds as if she's talking to me and reaching for the cats. Kaz says, just when Mark is around, that's her boyfriend, she says, Dada. I wonder if she realized that Dada is him. Kaz doubts it, but she thinks Mark thinks so, and she laughs. Then Kaz lets me know, I'll explain why I chose this illustration. Kaz lets me know that her mother's bipolar disorder is no longer in remission, and she's hospitalized to readjust her medication. I empathize with her worry about her mother and appreciate her finding time to manage to visit her. Cass does not have this disorder, but she's had periods of depression for which she's treated as an outpatient. She says that her own medicine seems to have started to work because she's been reading again, she's less anxious, and she finding, she's finding more pleasure in going out. She and Mark took Samantha to walk in the village with a stroller. They saw a lot of people with babies who had the same idea. They also took Samantha to a barbecue. This is part of the infant session. In other words, the mother is talking to me not, um, as the baby is playing. We're, we're playing with the baby, of course, but we're also connect. I'm also connecting with the mother. It's very right. Yes. So she says to Samantha, and you were very good there, weren't you? Then Kaz takes Samantha out of the exerciser and puts her on the floor in a sitting position. She puts a toy that has blinking color a little out of reach, and Samantha reaches for it, but she can't touch it. She reaches and she reaches, and then she manages to put out her two arms and one leg in a crawl position, but the other leg stays tucked under her. So she can't quite make it into a crawl, but she does retrieve the toy. So we encourage Samantha. I say something like, go for it, you can do it. And she enjoys the attention and the playful encouragement. So we continue this kind of play for a while until Cass decides that um, her baby has had enough exercise <laughs> and needs to be changed. So on the changing table, which is a great place to play, by the way, uh, Samantha is reaching for everything in sight. Kaz shifts gears and decides instead of a new diaper, it's time for a bath and more play. Bath is the other great place to play. She sets up the plastic tub in a large bathtub, places her baby in it comfortably because she likes the water, as most babies do. And Kaz and Samantha begin to play with bath toys together, smiling at each other as they give and take different plastic objects, moving them in and out of the water. After the bath, she enjoys dressing her in a pretty outfit and sets, sits with her on the floor to play. She takes out a rainbow stacker to play with. Samantha knocks it down and reaches for the different colored circles. Like earlier, Kaz puts one out of reach and Samantha works hard to get into that crawling position 
but again, just can't get one leg out from under her and ends up frustrated on her belly. Mm. Cass puts her in the crawling position again, but she really can't hold it. She's just not up to it yet. So the play turns to a little complaining without tears because the baby's struggling. And Kaz is a good observer by now. And she realizes that Samantha is getting tired out from these crawling attempts and she's hungry. So Kaz goes to get a bottle. Now, as I'm with the baby and Kaz went to get the bottle. So as she waits for her, her bottle, I can observe Samantha. And she's easily distracted by me with a toy with plastic circles I give her. She bangs the circles together and she makes a noise. But intermittently, she cries out because she's looking for her mother and the bottle. Then Kaz comes in, sits on the floor with Samantha in her arms and gives her the bottle. Kaz gets sober at Samantha at that moment. Samantha's looking at her. It's that eye contact that we talked about before. And then Kat, uh, Samantha also looks at me and she looks around her. And I can see that it's hard for Kaz to stay focused only on her baby because she is worried about her own mother who's in the hospital. But Samantha's main focus is still her mother. So she reaches with one hand for her mommy's hair and with the other hand, she holds on to Kaz's pant leg. And as she finishes drinking, she makes a little sound which um, Kaz interprets correctly that she's had enough. And Kaz encourages her, finish a little more, and she does. And then it's time actually for me to go. So Kaz wishes me a good day. And I reiterate that I appreciate her working so hard to be a kind daughter and mother at the same time. And I use this example because mothers are people and mothers have mothers. And things are going to interfere in your lives with playing with your baby and how you manage that is very important. So we know that Kaz is going to be worried about her mother, but she, even so it doesn't distract her too much from focusing on Samantha because look at what happened that day. She helped her reach for a toy. They worked on crawling. She went out of the room. The baby was able to cope by looking for the mother. That's a great coping mechanism. Look, where is she? Where is she? Um, and although she was distracted when she was speeding Samantha, that was the only moment I saw her own, um, struggle surface a little bit. Um, but she was attentive because she focused back on the baby so that she would get all that she needed. So Cass is becoming an attentive mother, even when her family situation is challenging due to her own mother's. Uh, emotional illness. So being an attentive mother and daughter is certainly common and it is it's stressful. But Kaz, now I've been working with her for all those months, she is able to manage both without letting her own mother's struggle interfering, interfere with mothering her baby. So it really was a great tribute to her growing experience and her resilience. That's why I picked that session. I think that's so beautiful because it, it's such a testament to we can't be perfect, but mm -hmm. we can strive to be present as much as we can. Don't beat yourself up, mom, if you have a lot going on. Just strive to, as you so beautifully said about play, it's about the interaction. So make mm -hmm. your interactions 
matter. And also, you know, I'm really hearing that compassion coming through you about how important that is to be really compassionate with yourself and your situation. So then you can also be compassionate in your interactions with your little one. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so as we begin to wrap up, is there any other point, any takeaways you'd like to share with, with our listeners today? Sure. I could go on for hours, but I'll, I'll just give you a few tidbits. Um, think about your baby's vision for a minute. A baby's line of sight or vision is most clearly focused at the distance of a person holding them. I referred to this a little earlier. I just want to highlight it. It's as if they are designed to see the people who love them more clearly than anyone else. So that distance, if you measured it <laughs> from eyes to mommy, um, the, the, that distance the mother is designed to know how to hold that baby. Mm. That's one that I love. Another is that babies love novelty. So if they say, see the same picture over and over, like with the cardboard picture books, they may start to lose interest. So show them something else and they perk right up. Because what happens is they've what's called habituated to the image. That is with repeated exposure, they become less responsive. But you give them something unfamiliar and they're stimulated immediately again. So mm. it, it's novelty, babies love novelty. Excellent. Um, you know, it's not to say that your baby, once she's 10, 11, 12 months, she's going to memorize that book. She's going to know everything you're about to say. Because remember, she can understand what to expect. And, yes. And, and we have the mistaken belief that our baby is learning to read when obviously she's not, but she remembers what the pictures are all about. Yeah, the it's sequence funny. and the patterning. And for exactly. parents out there who might not have very deep pocketbooks, remember, mm -hmm. it's not about always buying new toys, new toys, new toys. You mm -hmm. can take baby on a novel walk, read a book mm -hmm. in the opposite direction. You can do all sorts of things that yeah. are with what you have. So it doesn't have to be related to how mm -hmm. much money's in your bank account. Definitely not. And go to your public library. Yes. Get as, as many books as you need. You don't have to buy them. And every, there's no library in the United States that doesn't have baby books. They have tons of them. And you want something cardboard. You want something cloth. Because um, the baby, early on, they put it in her mouth. Um, and that baby is going to adore books and love learning. It, it's just as simple as that. So that's a favorite. Wonderful. And one more. Did you have okay. one? Okay. Sure. sure. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, imitation is an important one. Babies do what they see. They're attuned to people and active imitators very early on. So if you stick your tongue out at your baby, she will stick her tongue out at you. Similarly, open your mouth and your baby will open hers. This is one month old. So babies learn from us very quickly by imitation. So it's just wonderful to realize, again, no toys needed. Just think about what your baby, you want your baby to mimic and, and mimic your baby because then she'll feel understood. But you, you know what she's doing, where she's coming from. 
And I love that you said that. It's a really good, you know, wrap down note of, um, you know, my, my thing is always whatever we say, be it good or not so good, becomes part of who we are. And mm -hmm. when we're interacting with baby, whatever we say and do, mm -hmm. be it good or not so good, baby's imitating it. So yeah. um, when, when interacting with baby or even when you don't think you're interacting with baby, mm -hmm. how important it is for us to model kindness, love, compassion, Absolutely. patience absolutely mm -hmm. slowing mm -hmm. down and being attuned well dr holman i could talk to you for hours so mm -hmm. i want to thank you so much for being with us today it has been such a joy and a pleasure where can our listeners find you okay it's very easy to find me on my website which is just Lori holman l-a-u-r-i-e h-o-l-l-m-a-n phd.com we talk together learn together play work eat together we laugh together heal together and we love forever when we read together